0: People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turine Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. This week, I'm going to be talking to a South African author who helps families across the world build closer connections through storytelling. His name is Andrew Newman, and he's followed his deep longing for connection and his passion for spiritual development in a 12-year-long study of healing. He's a graduate of the Barbara Brennan School of Healing and a qualified non-dual Kabbalistic healer. He's been actively involved in men's work throughout the Mankind Project since 2006. Now, for the last five years, he has turned the last 20 minutes of the day into a magical world of conscious learning through beautifully illustrated picture books and wondrous characters who delight children and parents alike. And the books he's penned have not only entertained children across the globe, but are building closer connections between caregivers and children while teaching children vital core values and life skills to deal with what's known as sticky thoughts, in other words, negative feelings, and the challenges that come across their path each day. And now, five of the children's books that Andrew has written are all going to be available here in South Africa. And Andrew's brought some of the books with me, and there's lots to talk about. Andrew, welcome. It's great to have you here.
1: Rodney, thank you so much. Great pleasure.
0: I just have to find out where this all started. Very often I don't start chronologically, but I'd be keen to know how you got into writing children's books of this nature, of this ilk. Well, I think the seed of it
1: probably started way back when in my childhood, when I fell in love with stories through Uh, the local dad in the lift club who told us these great mythological tales of Homer's odyssey as we sat in the traffic (laughs) going (laughs) to kindergarten. Um, But it uh, certainly seeded a love of stories. And then uh, as I started to do the healing work and learn about uh, personal development, I realized that so many of us were dealing with uh, very similar themes and issues and that they all started
0: really young. And perhaps uh, a storybook could help. So when you got these original ideas, were you going to follow a career or did you decide quite young that you were going to write or heal?
1: Uh, I've never been a traditional career path man. I had some time in the family business and when I left that I had to work out who I was going to be and more than that how I was going to be because I realized that that was more interesting to me to start finessing my relational skills. And I had had many different uh, roles, and my favourites had always been engaging with people. Uh, I worked with uh, Habitat for Humanity in the townships for a period of time here. Uh, did a lot of care and support work in the UK. Worked in tourism, marketing, conference development. Lots of different, <laughs> lots of different things. Yes.
0: And then. Um What was the trigger that caused all this, the emphasis on children, the 20 minutes of the day, and what we're going to be talking about in the course of this interview?
1: Well, the first book wrote itself. It was a poem that was in a journal of mine. I'd been sitting on a hill in Scotland. I wrote what I thought was a nice poem, and I thought it needed some pictures. And I also had a friend who was an illustrator, so I knew straight away I was just going to do that. And so we made this book, and then it sat around and did nothing for years. And then the same process happened again. I'm like, wow, cool poem. Let's illustrate it. And then four books in, I was like, hold on a second. I really like doing this. Who do I serve was a a question that I carried at that time. Uh, And I was reflecting back having completed a a big chunk of studies and looking back over it going, you know, how do I want to help in the world? And who do I want to help? And uh, what brings me pleasure and joy? And the creative process really bubbles up inside me. It's a very natural thing
0: uh, that I get a lot of joy from. Because you said when you came into the studio today that you're a storyteller. You love telling stories. Right. And these stories could be pretty well anything. But at the moment, they happen to be children's stories.
1: Right. Story time, storytelling. Uh, story writing. They're all uh, things that catch a, a certain archetypal part of the human spirit and soul, as as Joseph Campbell would talk about it. We, we love the hero's journey. We like being taken through a collective experience. And if I share a story with you, then we're doing something together. And when we get to the end of it, it's been shown that physiologically there's a an endorphin rush and a little chemical release that comes from having started at the beginning gone through something difficult and come to the end of it and I, I mean I think uh, Disney, Pixar and,
0: and all the big movie houses understand this really well <laughs> Even people like George Lucas for example Yeah. What do you feel about can I just be a devil's advocate at the moment? I mean at the moment we are battling to get children to read books because of the internet and all the rest of it, and also battling to keep parents and children connected. So this must have been a challenge for you and something that you decided you were going to tackle. Yeah, absolutely. And I
1: think that uh, what's most important here is the quality of connection between parent and child. It's more important than the book itself, uh, there's a, 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 a saying that it's not the book you're reading, it's the lap that the kid is sitting on that makes all the difference. And even if there's a screen in in between and one's reading the screen or sitting with your child, playing a game with them or supporting them whilst they play a game, the, the, it's the togetherness that's really going to impact them and they're going to be able to uh, journey and learn from there so much learning possible with all of these electronic devices. I am a little bit old school. I like the book. (laughs) Um, I think turning a page and the feel of paper in the hand and and that it goes a really long
0: way to create an experience. But look, we can always reintroduce that to people's lives can't we to children and get them to love turning the page and when we get to talking about your books there are all sorts of practical parts of them to get a kind of a tactile approach and also what I think is very important it's been proved isn't it that children grow up better if there is a lot of touchy-feely with parents and togetherness. Yes absolutely togetherness is a a great antidote for the the human pain
1: of aloneness mm-hmm. and we're all going to feel that in some way or we might have a micro moment of a day maybe there's a, an authority figure like a teacher who comes in and says stop what you're doing and all of a sudden feel a little bit like Ugh, that doesn't feel so good and it's like how do we remedy
0: those moments where we remedy through togetherness and connection and touch because I saw somewhere when I was reading about you how um, you could be bullied at school for example um, just for no reason, someone stealing your lunchbox or whatever, and you'd go home and possibly not talk about it and internalize it and thereby create a problem.
1: Right. And, and those sort of experiences become the root of uh, setting up our, our negative or positive self-beliefs. I mean, that kid if in the scenario who got bullied, you know, is going to go home and go, hmm, how do I stay safe from not being bullied tomorrow? I don't like how it felt. And 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 the neurophysiology is working to make sure that we don't experience that pain again. And so, so tomorrow they might wake up with a new strategy, and that strategy could uh, ultimately be a, a behavior that doesn't serve them. You know, like, oh, I'll just go and give my lunch away before I get bullied. Um, you know, it's a really simple example, but it's just to illustrate what is happening all the time in the young mind as it's developing
0: their beliefs and their behaviors and their viewpoint around the world. Are you saying that that child should immediately talk to his parent or caregiver and tell what's happened so that he externalizes it, so to speak, and then is told perhaps how to deal with it tomorrow? Well, that
1: would be 100% first prize. And we know that that's not always going to happen. But that bullying event will be a challenge on their sense of safety and belonging. And all that's needed is to restore the sense of safety and belonging, even if the data doesn't come out around what it was that actually happened. Yeah. If we restore the sense of safety and belonging and there's enough time and balance in the day between that feeling loved
0: and the challenges, you know, then we come out uh, on top. Okay. Well, Andrew, I want to start talking about your actual books, the titles and the characters, the drawings, all laid out here on the desk in our People of Note studio. But tell me about your first piece of music. I'm intrigued to know what sort of music you've chosen. Well, I went classical with the first piece. and <laughs> okay. it's, uh, Then you're allowed to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh,
1: Rachmaninoff's <clears throat> Spring Waters uh, is a very evocative, powerful piece, and it was introduced to me by a Cape Town pianist called Tony Crichton who at a certain point in life sat me down over a cup of tea and said this is your life right now and she I don't understand music and she showed me the sheet music for this and she said look how dramatic it is and she says this is what's happening right now but there is this quiet spot that's going to come and that really stayed with me
2: i
0: Music there by Rachmaninoff, Spring Waters, the first choice of my guest on People of Note this week, Andrew Newman. Andrew, an interesting first choice, so thank you for that.
1: Yeah, it's a powerful piece, very dramatic, and to me I felt it was a little bit reflective of some of what the country is in at the moment. And uh, as we journey through my music, I want to take us from this drama through through the hero's journey of story into hope and possibility. In this very
0: program? Yes, with these these five choices of music. I'm most intrigued then to see what's going to come next. But listen, you mentioned the problems in this country, and I suppose world events are very important, aren't they? And children in this country, as we know, women and children are under a lot of fire at the moment, so this is something that we have to be aware of when we're dealing with children and when you're writing for them, isn't it?
1: Right, and and fundamentally, in a word, I'd call it anxiety. Mm. It's going to create anxiety, and I have ways and means and hopes for parents to help
0: kids uh, settle and feel calm. Is that in a separate book, or these books that you've brought along that are now on sale in South Africa are very much designed? For the family aren't they for the parents and the children it's not a book a child takes away and sits on the floor and pages through it's sort of a combined effort on both parts right
1: the kids will also uh, choose their favorite from it and go and hang out with the stories always mm. Mm. Um, but in each uh, book uh, there's an invitation to start the story with a simple breathing practice um, this really helps uh, parents settle it helps regulate and attune uh, between Uh, adult and child, whether you're uh, aunt, uncle, granny, grandpa and those four breaths are uh, breathing in I breathe for me and then the kids would go I breathe for you
0: I breathe for us and I breathe for all that's around us Gosh, the other thing that I've noticed here is very often in a child's book at the beginning it says this book belongs to and then you put in your name You've crossed out Belongs To and written in small print. This book is shared with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, fa- it's a <clears throat> family
1: book, please. I mean, everyone in the family, if we look at uh, the story you're holding, the elephant who tried to tiptoe, she's not being herself. She's comparing herself to all the other animals out there. Now, every single one of us is going to be self-judgmental in this sort of way, and we're going to need to keep reminding ourselves, hold on, I'm just right the way that I am. And so it doesn't matter whether you're four years old
0: or whether you're 40 years old this is a book for everyone in the home you also give instructions the last 20 minutes of the day is obviously the most important thing here the day is over the school is over the homework is done the work is done the parents have relaxed you've had dinner presumably this will take place in the bedroom
1: Right. I mean, that was a very idealistic sequence of events you just mapped. I know that for parents. (laughs) That's the hope that we can go through that sequence in some sort of an orderly form. But uh, yes, those last 20 minutes, I mean, my, my simple science behind this is if as an adult you've ever been to sleep on an argument. Uh, you'll know that you wake up on an argument Mm -hmm. and that it has stayed with you for the full duration of the night and it's churned inside of you. So if we apply that principle and go, if we can go to sleep, feeling safe, loved, belonging, cozy, cuddly, then... For eight hours whilst we sleep we get that sensation through the body um, and we get to wake up and kids will wake up, their natural confidence will be accessible to them, um, their self-esteem will be accessible and their creativity because the brain moves into this executive brain state where all of that becomes possible. None of that is possible when they're in fight or flight. None of it's impossible when they, they're they in survival. You know, at that stage, the only weapon left is uh, fight, flight, or collapse in a heap,
0: hide under the duvet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you got, maybe it's a bit premature to ask this question, but have you got any idea of the, your success rate? Well...
1: The success that I see comes in little anecdotes. And and so uh, a Cape Town anecdote, a good friend of mine went home with the story, The Hug Who Got Stuck. It's a story about the, a little hug trying to come out of the hug factory in the center of the heart, and it gets caught in the web of sticky thoughts, and we see how it gets free. Now, her five-year-old son has fallen in love with this, and he has come back to her every evening and said, Look, can we do the hug story? I want to get free of the sticky thoughts before I go to sleep. And I'm like, I'm blown away, right? This (laughs) is my hope. Of course. But here he is. Now, she's also learned something. She's like, well, what sticky thoughts do you have? And he goes, he's telling her about a nightmare that's been a repetitive dream for him she had no idea about. And so, to me, that one story buoys me and carries me. That's success right there. And then… There's a little girl in Colorado called Sky who I've known since she was three. She's probably six now. She grew up with the very early versions of these stories when I was developing them. She always used to roll her eyes at the breathing practice at the beginning. She's like, I don't want to do them. And of course, my encouragement uh, has been, well, I'm going to do them for me because I need to do this breathing. And then I was babysitting for her, and I was having a bit of a sad day. And she
0: came to me and she said,
1: let's do that thing we do at the start of your books
0: just impromptu out of her own birth.
1: impromptu out uh, of I mean I I, I was broken. <laughs> I was like oh, really it was like okay so the kids the kids get it and they pick it up and then they carry it with them and that fabulous Pixar movie inside out you know it rattles around in their interior and they've got a new resource in their interior that they can use in situations as they come up
0: in life and that's my hope I'm going to ask you to do something quite difficult now, bearing in mind there are no pictures here, but I love the story of the Hug Factory right? um, and that book called The Hug Who Got Stuck. And you asked me when we came into the studio, you said, where does a hug come from? (laughs) I momentarily panicked, as you saw, and I said, from the heart. And now you say that, well, the book gives a, a demonstration. Just, will you explain? Yes, it is is true that hugs come from the heart. (laughs) Uh, The hug comes
1: from the heart, but in the heart, there is an incredible hug factory. And hugs come zooming in the door of the heart. They're full of love and care, and that love and care glows so brightly, it gets caught on the solar panels, and the solar panels fill the big green battery up with love, and that love then in turn powers the light, which is a bit like photosynthesis, and it keeps the baby hugs growing on trees deep in the center of the heart where they are hydroponically drip-fed by stardust, rainbow light, and a basket of warm, fuzzy feelings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not laughing in a mocking way, you understand. I'm laughing in a child wonder-like way.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you knew that then when hugs get picked from the, the forest, they get taken to the encoding room, and each hug gets freshly made and specially encoded with just the right amount of love and care to delight the heart that it's made for. Now, sometimes hugs can get caught in this web of sticky thoughts. I'm not good enough. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants to play with me. And so we'll see that in the door of the factory, there's a sign, which is, remind us to being a great hug. And that there embeds the lesson for the kids right at the beginning of the story. And we can follow the journey of this hug as it gets stuck. And as it gets, how it gets unstuck is part of the magic
0: that kids will carry with them. It's a wonderful way to explain what a hug is, because a hug is a fairly spontaneous thing, isn't it? Um, your child, hugging your child, is, there's love there, affection, the, the sense of feeling that person that you love. So it's a very important psychological implement, isn't it, a hug?
1: It, it, it really is. Actually, the, there's a family therapist called Virginia Satir who said we need four hugs a day for survival, eight hugs a day for maintenance, and 12 hugs a day for growth. Gosh. And it was like it be, I've made this a bit of a game when I was making this book. I'd put a hug meter on the on the the wall in the in the co-working space and see how many hugs I could get. <laughs> Did
0: you ever get that many? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those <laughs> are
1: the good days, right? A worthy challenge.
0: <clears throat> true. True. Let's have another piece of music, Andrew Newman. What's next on your? jukebox list. Right, well as I said uh,
1: things were a little bit dramatic in the, in the country and so the next song is by a friend of mine from Nashville, Tennessee a country singer called Jillian Jacqueline and her song is called God Bless This Mess
2: Here's to the brokens the misfits and wannabes the part of you that's just like me the wallflowers and the holier than thou, To the diamonds that are never gonna leave the rough The rolling stones that are always stuck The all-nighters and the lost I've never found God bless. the next Lord. It's gonna get
0: God Bless This Mess by Gillian Jacqueline, uh, the choice of my guest, Andrew Newman, on People of Note this week. And um, how would you describe that compared to the first piece we heard? we calming down a bit. Yeah, well, sure, well, she's
1: got her kind of country and western yes. going. And,
0: <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, every every country song has a story, and that's one of the things that I love about it. One of the things you also told me, gosh, we spoke a lot before we came into the studio. We should have recorded that part of the conversation, (laughs) was that you were one of the lucky ones who won a green card in a lottery. And this is why you've been speaking about America, because you have lived there for a while, haven't you?
1: Yes, I've been there for four and a half years now. I took it as as a good sign when that lottery ticket came my way. And I've been living in Colorado and Nashville, Tennessee great places for for childhood development. The attitudes around working with kids are really progressive and uh, there's, there's some things that I'm delighted to be able to bring back to South Africa and share.
0: Have you moved back here or not? I'm Quite. going to be backwards
1: and forwards for a season because I I now have the books here and uh, in the
0: States and I'm needed in both places. Mm-hmm. Have they done well in the States? I know I also just know if you had any proof of any, uh, but I mean just from a sales point of view and critical acclaim and that sort of thing.
1: Yes, uh, yes, they've been very uh, well picked up and won several awards. Uh, the book, uh, The Elephant to Try to Tiptoe is Creative Child uh, magazine uh, best book of the year 2018 we have the coalition for visionary resources that's uh, g- given the gold award for the entire collection uh, Mum's choice award there's a few other things like that that have uh, been recognized i've had some incredible opportunities i got to be opening speaker for deepak chopra uh, which was uh, an opportunity to talk about children as the future of well-being uh, meeting amazing people, meeting Marian Williamson, meeting uh, Gary uh, Zukov, a lot of the thought leaders in the uh, mind-body-spirit space over the last 30 years, um, and then the, and then also the leaders in education uh, have picked it up. I, I've been invited in by uh, Dr. Becky Bailey, who who runs Conscious Discipline and for uh, to give you a context of the scale of it there are ten thousand children in china being educated in conscious discipline schools there's over a million books of hers out in the market and and we're just we're sharing values here with what she understands about about the brain and about uh, trauma states and about social emotional learning and how these books are fitting into that and then Thousands of families doing that breathing practice that we spoke about um, and uh, books going out into bookstores all across the U.S. What is the Chinese thing? Conscious what? Conscious discipline. What is that? Conscious discipline is the work of Becky Bailey and her work has been picked up by the country of China and they said, okay, we're going to roll it out here. Now, it's rolled out in all 50 states in America. It's in close on 45 countries around the world. But this is a a trauma-informed brain state model for social-emotional learning, which is a lot of words. What I did say earlier, uh, you know, in the survival state, kids can't learn. They can't engage. And we have to get skillful in our our relationships to see when they've gone into that survival state to help them get through it um, and to give them the capacity to get themselves through it. And uh, this is some of the finesse that she brings into the
0: classroom. Does anything like that happen in this country at the moment?
1: It's starting to. So we have the first uh, probably three people who know about it. Dr. Bailey was out recently for the headmasters' conference, headmasters, headmistresses' conference in South Africa. So uh, there's a new awareness that's coming. I suspect it'll take the country by storm over the next ten years. <laughs> Which
0: is why you want to be here as there's well. It's something I'm sure. that I'd
1: like to be part of.
0: How many books have you written uh, on this theme? This this whole idea. So the South African collection are
1: five titles, but in the US there's fourteen at the moment. Okay. Yeah. So
0: why have we only got five? You're just testing the water at the moment.
1: It's a little bit like that. It's about okay.
0: starting somewhere. Okay. It's
1: also an easier choice for parents at five than it is at 14. Yes.
0: And we learned that the hard way in the States. Okay. OSC. Yeah. always see. Okay. But I'm, I'm quite intrigued by the titles, and I'm going to mention some of them. The Prayer, Who Searched for God, The Hug Who Got Stuck. We spoke about The Hug Who Got Stuck the boy who searched for silence, and this one we've been talking about, the elephant who tried to tiptoe, but also how Diablo became spirit. And there's a slightly true element to that story, isn't there? Yes, so how Diablo became spirit is uh, very much a South African story.
1: Uh, Diablo, or a leopard, big black leopard, was called Diablo, and he lived in the Jukani Wildlife Sanctuary up in Nature's Valley. He still lives there, and this story is caught on a video documentary with an animal whisperer called Anna Breitenbach and uh, Anna's a good friend of mine and we have a shared mission to uh, in terms of values the value in the story is around uh, showing children how to connect with animals and to respect all living beings and uh, so I've made a story based on that documentary And would she helped you write as well. Yes, absolutely. um, She helped me write. And then at the back, we've got this uh, spirit secret steps, which are uh, 10 steps to teach
0: children how to do basic animal whispering. Oh, really? Yes.
1: Yeah. And they're very quick
0: with it. Oh, really? Is that so? Which I presume is also quite therapeutic well in it's a, comforting, comforting is what i would yeah, say that's probably yes what i
1: mean yeah, anytime we have contact and connection and it doesn't matter whether it's you and me or whether it's it's you know you and your your pet that can create a feeling of comfort
0: i'm intrigued by the title the prayer who
1: searched for god well let me tell you about where it came from i went on an interfaith Peace camp to the Israel-Palestine border region. We went with healers. We went with interfaith ministers. Went with um, nonviolent communicators. We met there with local people of all uh, faiths, and I uh, spent a lot of time calling this story forward in a way, listening for a story that would come from that experience. And this uh, is helping children to use prayer and breath to find God within themselves, and uh, and to see. And delight in the divinity of all things Um, and so we the character which I mean our illustrator Alexis has done this incredible job of how do you create a prayer as a character (laughs) right and so we have this beautiful little sort of flamey glowing purpley being I don't know what we call her and then in the story she Left the heart that yearned her into being, jumping onto a breath as it left the lips that spoke her into being, out and away she flew, searching for God. So the two characters in the story are a prayer who and a breath, and the prayer rides a breath, and at some stage, she's leading the way, and at other stage the breath runs out and dashes home again, <laughs> having having seemingly not found God, but then makes this discovery as she. Right there in the narrow passage of the lips, where the breath rushed the fastest, tickling the tongue.
0: There she found God. My goodness, Andrew. Quietly whispering, I am and everywhere. Gosh. You know, I want to talk about the illustrations, but let's have a piece of music. So we, we've we had a little bit of a mess. It's been blessed by
1: Jillian. By um, it's time to be brave, and Sarah Barialis' song Brave is the one to inspire us.
2: Somebody's lack of love.
0: By Sarah Barriellis, another choice of my guest, Andrew Newman here. We're talking about children's books, actually, but children's books with a little bit of a difference. And as I've said, for the last five years, this award winning international children's book author, Andrew, has turned the last 20 minutes of the day into a magical world of conscious learning through beautifully illustrated picture books and with wondrous characters who delight children and parents alike, as you've been hearing. The other interesting thing, Andrew, I see at the end of your books is that there's an exercise. This one I'm holding here, the elephant one, says a relaxing exercise. And you say, wriggle your toes, crunch your nose, breathe in, squeeze your eyes tight, squeeze your knees, try not to Sneeze. Is this all after the twenty minutes now, just before they go to bed?
1: I know this. You know, twenty minutes is a guideline. This is just. It's just. Let's make a bubble that's intentional and focused and have connection. And then that little exercise at the end. That one's a physical relaxation exercise that will, um, uh, again, clench and release the body. And when we do that, it helps us drop more into sleep more easily. The hug meter that we spoke about earlier makes sure that our, our heart is full when we go to sleep and we can double check if there's any sticky thoughts as we learned about. Uh, the the spirit secret steps, which are the animal whispering one, we're actually going to have more use at different times of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a resource that kids can draw on there. And then, you know, the, the the last 20 minutes of the day really used to be a time for prayer and for people who have a a, a strong prayer commitment will still be that. And so I love that that um, kids can add particularly this attitude of gratitude and a little thank you can go onto each breath. And uh, so that's the
0: end of the prayer who searched for God. We have a way for kids to breathe their prayers. At the end of the boy who searched for silence, you've got the gratitude spiral. Right. So just little
1: reflections. Who was in your day and uh, what do you want to thank them for? And sometimes the mind... Uh, if we're in a slightly depressed or sad state can get myopic and we lose sight of the fact that there were people in our day who were good and they were there alongside us and so this is just a little antidote to that. Because
0: you even say here What one difficult thing happened today so that they can deal with it, presumably? So that it can surface,
1: right? So that it can be met and the parent might not know about it at all. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't like it when the teacher said this to me, or I didn't like it when you said this to me. And it's like, wow, okay, as a parent, I can then come in and go, Ah, oh, and I realise I owe you an apology, and I want to say sorry for that. You know, is there anything I can do to make up for you? We've got to, we've got to, you know, parents are constantly making. Um, we're doing our best, right? And and
0: and repair is a part of doing our best. Is that we've got to be able to do that all the time? What about the illustrations? I mentioned I'd like to talk. I've been struck by the illustrations in these books. They are obviously very accessible to children, intriguing, I think, for adults. And the illustrator is Alexis Aronson.
1: Alexis has done four of these, and then the elephant is done by uh, Liesl Bell. Uh, they're both South African illustrators, um, and they have different skills between the two of them. You know, Liesl, uh, Liesl is uh, very playful, and that's why the the elephant had tried to tiptoe. I had to look for an illustrator f- to to find our elephant. And uh, I went through three or four different illustrators before I met Liesl, and she just totally got this most adorable Ellie who, who's balancing on her tiptoes. Um, <laughs> it's on the cover. You know, and, and uh, trying to hold a banana that she can't, but the monkey can hold the banana. So now we've got all these animals that are are uh, really a kid's favorite, particularly for the, the little kids to be able to point that and go, bear, fish, Ellie. <laughs> um, and then um, Alexis uh, has uh, I discovered Alexis when I'd wrote the book, The Boy Who Searched for Silence, because the the story wrote itself in five minutes after a four day silent retreat that I was on, and I wanted an illustrator who was also a meditator, uh, because it felt like we were, let's just be congruent in the energetic that's being put out here, and that's where I found Alexis, and um, she's evolved. Um, incredibly because she's a mixed-medium artist who happens to also now be a children's book illustrator because of the journey we've been on. And and what she's done with uh, the big black eyes of Spirit the Leopard in uh, uh, Nature's Valley, I mean, that is certainly one of the most powerful images that we have there. Um, you could just gaze at the
0: page and feel the presence of this animal. Mm. Um, the eyes look magnificent. It's amazing how she's actually done that on a piece of paper.
1: And that Hug Factory that uh, I took you through, that's really her world. You know, she closed her eyes and somehow came up with this world and brought it back to me and said, yeah, this is is how a Hug Factory works. And I'm like, wow, the partnership between author and illustrator for me is very precious. Uh, I did have a publishing house overseas offer to rewrite and reillustrate some of my books. And I said, forget it. <laughs> you know, we've worked so hard on these uh, to be so beautiful like this. All right, another piece
0: of music, Andrew Shine by Verity.
1: Yes, moving, m- moving into the uplifting space. Let's believe in ourselves and let's shine who we are. And this is, she's a local Cape Town musician and one of the first musicians to ever run uh, crowdfunding for an album and this comes off that album
2: i
0: Shine by Verity and another choice of my guest on People of Note this week Andrew Newman whose children's books are just about to be released in this country or have been released in this country these five titles or more and and Andrew where are they going to be easily available can we get them from places like exclusive books or online or how do we access them
1: yeah absolutely they are exclusive books they're at Bargain Books they're at Wordsworth they can also come to our website consciousstories.com and uh, pre-read some of them and get a feel for what they're about. Are there also the illustrations on the website?
0: Yes. Oh, well, there you are. Just say the website address again. That is ConsciousStories.com. And did you tell me that you'd appeared on TED Talk? Yes, I did a TED Talk
1: in uh, Findhorn in the north of Scotland, and that talk is titled
0: Why the Last 20 Minutes of the Day Matter. Mm-hmm. I.e. what we've been talking about. Yes. But you also, I mean, have you been around to schools? Do you go to schools and give talks and things?
1: Right. All the time. all the, In the States and here. Uh, I must have uh, done story time with over a thousand kids in the last 10 days in, in Cape Town, which has been amazing. And when I'm there, I lead with the story, The Boy Who Searched for Silence. It helps The kids drop into that centered calmness that silence can offer. We then follow with the hug who got stuck. And uh, I have all the little kids put their hand on their heart. Think of who they're making hugs for and imagine that they're doing it right now. The whole room goes soft and marshmallowy. It's (laughs) delightful. Uh, Also working with teachers, helping them to learn how to use story and story time and storytelling to create safety and belonging in the classroom and to address the themes as they come up. We can always create a quick story that addresses something that's happening
0: uh, in the class. How do schools know about you? Have you got some sort of organization that the schools contact or that contacts the schools?
1: Well, at this point, uh, again, through our website, there's a little bit of detail, but they can contact me directly, my email being andrew at consciousstories.com, and I'm planning my next visit back to South Africa. I haven't finalized the dates, but we'd love to have your contact details and your enthusiasm
0: so that we can include your school. Okay, briefly before you go, we've been talking the whole program about these books, which I'm very pleased about because it's been fascinating, and thank you, Andrew. Do you write anything else, or is this sort of your focus at the moment? I've always been
1: writing poetry, and I continue to do that. Uh, I like poetry both as a, a written and as a verbal process. My, my great inspiration is David White, and uh, I have a couple of books that are sort of seeded as slightly different to this picture book format. Maybe they're young adult or chapter books at four, four, eight, nine, ten, And uh, not yet in the market, but uh, something that I get a lot of pleasure out of writing. Are there
0: going to be more of these sort of books? Yes, definitely.
1: We've got um, a, a new story called uh, well, I haven't actually given it a name. We might need a community <laughs> vote. It's either called Rolling Thunder who's the key character in the story or it's called New to the Herd. Uh, and that is um, going to help uh, teachers a lot with new kids coming into the classroom and the class settling and finding their space. Have you got your own children? Not yet. No. <laughs> That's <laughs> interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many children in my world, but, uh, but uh, none that I could say on my
0: own. It's really been quite fascinating talking to you. We get all sorts of people on people of note, but this is unique. And so thank you for sharing. And I'm going to buy these books for myself, for <laughs> friends in Berlin, because it really, really has fascinated me. And I just want to tell our listeners, try and get to see the illustrations and also the simplicity of it all, but also the power of it all. So, Andrew Newman, thank you very much. And um, your last piece of music? Wamkele um, by Donovan Copley, which is
1: um, in the band called Hot Water, uh, means welcome, and again, a beautiful African fusion song, and I have felt so welcome coming to the studio today, coming back home and bringing the books out, and this is my hope and wish that all children feel
0: loved and welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Here, here.
3: i sure one killer one killer one killer killer one killer one killer kill, 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 for sure